Welcome to the St George's Leeds Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy the talk. So, um, particularly welcome if you're uh, here on holiday in Leeds, if you've come here for Easter. Um, If the purpose for that was to find your way around Leeds extremely easily, this might not have been the best week to do it, but good effort anyway. Warm welcome to you. Um, Holy Week is a time when we reassess, perhaps, our direction, reassess where we're heading, reassess where we're going. And that will involve us making choices. Now, one of the uh, choices that we have to make is to make sure that we're facing the right way, that we're, facing, we're going in the right direction. Now, for those of you that know us, uh, Andrea and I live kind of up between Halifax and Huddersfield, um, up there, and normally um, this is about a 30-minute journey to get in here. And we had to make choices today. We had to make choices because you will have noticed, some of you, the Armley gyratory is now no longer gyrating. And so we had to make choices. We had my choice of the direction. We had Andrea's choice of the direction. We had the sat-nav's choice of the direction. And we had the actual direction. None of which were the same. Um, But it did just remind us that you have to know where you're going. And a question, I guess, this Holy Week, as we lead up to Jesus on the cross, his death on the cross, his resurrection, and ultimately his ascension, Are we fixed? Do we know the direction that we're heading? So I'm always struck by one of the verses, particularly from Luke 9. And it's Luke 9, 51, where we're told Jesus sets his face to Jerusalem. He knows where he's going. He makes a conscious choice to go there. A little later in Luke's gospel, after the transfiguration, it says again that he sets his face to Jerusalem. He knows where he's going. He knows what the journey is. And he knows what is going to happen when he gets there. As we walk our Christian path, we have choices to make. And choices have consequences. Some of them trivial, like using a sat-nav diversion. Don't get me wrong, it was really helpful this morning. I love Edinburgh, Cardiff, Norwich. But we got here. But some of those choices are more challenging. And we need to seek what God is calling us to do as we look at those. Now, Paul is writing this letter to the Philippians. And... He's writing from prison, possibly Caesarea, possibly Ephesus. I think he was actually in prison in Rome, and I think it's about 60 AD. 
And he's writing to encourage the Philippians. The few verses before this talk about them living in unity, talk about them living in love, talk about them living a Christ-like life. Basically, they talk, he talks to them about being like Jesus. Now, whatever the choice of direction and whatever the choice of journey, surely what you and I want more than anything is to be more like Jesus. And I want to look at this passage in terms of Jesus and his journey. Because if you think about it, he leaves heaven. We sang that a few minutes ago. He leaves heaven and chooses, chooses, to come down to hang out with us. He takes that journey to the cross. He dies on the cross. We then rejoice in his resurrection. And finally, Ascension Day, he returns to his father. And so Paul begins this passage and he says, your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus. And the Greek word, phroneo, means kind of like mindset. You should have the same mindset that Jesus has. Now, I don't know about you, I I really wish I had exactly the same mindset that Jesus has. You know, it would make ministry, you know, as a vicar, it would make life so much easier, particularly if we all have the same mindset as Jesus. But Paul says to the Philippians, have that mindset. Focus your mind on what Jesus wants. And then the rest of this passage is kind of a a hymn, a prayer, that Paul includes here because the purpose behind it is to draw the Philippians into an understanding of who Jesus is. And he says in verse 6, he was in the very form of God. The very form of God. Greek word, morphe. It means to mold. So Paul is encouraging the Philippians. He's saying, I want you to have the same mindset as Jesus. And remember that Jesus is, is in God's mold, if you like. Jesus himself says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And then he says, Philippians says, do not seek, Jesus did not seek to grasp equality. Now, again, the Greek word, hapagmos, is kind of quite an interesting word because a better translation is almost that he didn't seek to influence he didn't seek to use his natural advantage now look we all we all like to have contacts we all like to have contacts i love to have a contact that can immediately answer the phone and get me a ticket for a match at leeds united it thank you if If you are that person, please talk to me afterwards. I don't have that contact. 
But we all have to have context. What Paul is saying here is, Jesus could have applied that advantage. At any point in his ministry, he could have applied that advantage. Do you remember on the cross, they mock him and say, yeah, if you're the son of God, get yourself down. When Jesus is arrested, you remember there's a bit of a fracas? And he says, do you not think I could call upon a legion of angels? Of course he could. But Jesus chooses not to use that advantage. And it then says that he then empties himself. He pours out himself. The Son of God empties himself and becomes, takes on the nature of a servant. Now, again, the word that's used here is servant. The Greek word is doulos, which actually means slave. And, and I think this is quite important because in, in the Roman Empire, servants had some degree of status. They, they were paid People, you remember um, when the uh, with the parable of two lost sons and the one who takes the inheritance and wanders off and has parties and winds up feeding pigs and all the rest of it. And when he realizes that it's a complete disaster, he says, "I will go back to my father. I will beg his forgiveness and ask him to make me one of his hired servants." That's not what Paul's talking about here. He's talking about doulos, slave. In the Roman Empire, slave has no value other than a commodity. Nothing. You are simply something to be bought and sold. Now, I think that word is used quite deliberately because it gives us that reflection of Jesus on his journey, moving from being seated at the right hand of the Father to the lowest conceivable position in society. And it goes on, verse 8. In appearance, he's a man. It's not just that, of course, is it? But he says, in appearance, he's a man. This, of course he is. This is a carpet, the carpenter's son. Everybody knew him. We hear, you remember when he, he's kind of running into all sorts of, of, of issues with the locals um, when, when he's in Nazareth? And they say, don't they? You know, this is Jesus. This is Joe and Mary's lad. We know his mum and dad. We know his brothers and sisters. He used to kick his football against our wall. We know who he is. This reflection of humanity. Jesus chooses this human likeness. And we're told that he humbled himself and took the lowest position. Now that's a bit of a challenge in today's society, isn't it? Ambition is often something that is regarded 
as something to be acquired, something important. But that's not how Jesus did it. And we're told that he becomes obedient. Now, this reflects back to a prophecy from Isaiah, Isaiah 53, verses 7 through 9, where Isaiah prophesies what will happen. He says he will be led like a lamb to be slaughtered. For our iniquities, he will be wounded. Jesus chooses this path. He chooses this path. You see, when the sacrificial lamb was going to be killed in the temple, you know, the high priest doesn't go out to the flock and say, right, lads, any volunteers? The lamb has no choice. The lamb is simply sacrificed. There is no will. And then, Paul reminds them, death on a cross. Deuteronomy 21, 23 says this. Be sure to bury them that same day for anyone hung on a tree is under God's curse. Anyone hung on a tree, crucified in this case, is under God's curse. Now for the Romans, crucifixion was the ultimate humiliating death. Cicero, Roman senator, says this. The most cruel and hideous of punishments, far be the very name of the cross, not only from the body, but from the thought, the eyes, the ears of Roman citizens. It's complete anathema. He said that you shouldn't even be thinking about it, it's so terrible. So now... Let's put ourselves in God's position. Jesus comes to earth, born in Bethlehem. His father sees his ministry. And then his father has to see him being arrested, spat on, humiliated. The word of God says, when he's nailed to that cross, he is under the curse of God. Jesus himself says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He feels that curse. 
And this is the ultimate low point of any journey, isn't it? But it's the point of choice. So why? Why bother? Why bother with you? Why bother with me? Well, the reason for that choice being made is the unconditional love of God for you and I. Ultimate, unconditional love. Now, let's hang on to this for a minute. There is nothing that you can do that is going to make God love you any more than he does tonight. Nothing you can do will make God love you any more than he does right now. And perhaps for some of us, more significantly, there is nothing that you have done, are doing, will do, that will make God love you any less. Nothing will make God love you any less than he does right now. I find that really, really quite incredible. But that's the choice. That's the choice that the Father, that's the choice that Jesus makes. So, Paul goes on, verse 9. Therefore, he says, as a result of this, God exalts Jesus on high. The journey moves through Holy Week, through the cross, to the resurrection. Hebrews 4 verse 14 tells us we have a great high priest who has passed into the heavens, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Now, we, you know, give it a week's time and we will be having a fantastic party here. Yeah? Thank you. If you were around at Christmas, it was awesome, wasn't it? Thank you. But you know what? I love Ascension Day. Because I figure Ascension Day, when Jesus returns to the Father after this journey, what an amazing party! He returns to his Father. He is seated at the right hand of his Father. And we are told... This is his position. This is his rightful place. Acts 2 and verse 33. Acts 5 verse 31. The apostles say Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. And there he reigns. And we are told every knee will bow. Now, you know, I've worked with academics who simply don't believe that. And, and that's okay. As long as we're both clear that that is what's going to happen. 
see, there's a difference between belief and fact. Fact, every knee will bow. And in fact, every knee will bow everywhere. Bear with me. It says, on he- in heaven, great, on earth, boom, under the earth, unpleasant that it's there. Right, so if it's in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, there ain't anywhere it's not happening, is it? Is that fair? So the truth is that every knee will bow to Jesus. And that is because the unconditional love that's offered to us, that we see through Holy Week, is a love that inevitably draws us to that God, that God who chooses and wants to save us. You remember in the garden of Gethsemane, Jesus goes there with the lads, says to them, I need you to watch and pray. They fall asleep. Great. But Jesus prays. And we're told that his sweat was like drops of blood, the agony that he was in. Because he's aware of what's about to happen to him. Moreover, he's aware that his father is watching this. Now think about that. His father has to watch it. Not only does he have to watch it, he has to turn away. And that position, that place turns into the place where Jesus is glorified and seated at the right hand of the Father. So, our journey this week, this year, life, are we walking with Jesus through Holy Week? Which way are we facing? Because we have choices to make. And we have choices to make in the context that every knee will bow. And it's a choice for our journey. We turn from our own desire to control things, our own pride, our own ego, our own selfishness. We turn from lies. We turn away from the lies that have been told and imposed upon us. We turn away from rejection. And we turn to Jesus. We turn to a path of love, of peace, of grace. Jesus chose a path that allows us to come to the cross and receive him as Lord and Saviour. And there is nothing stopping us from doing that. We may feel, I'm not good enough. I can't do that. I feel a whole raft of things that may get in the way. But if one of those things is, I don't know whether God loves me enough 
Don't go there. The truth is, God cannot love you, whatever you are, whoever you are, whatever you've done, any less than he does tonight. And he loves you and I enough for us to remember this coming week the path that Jesus took to the cross. That's how much. So tonight, if that's not yet a reality for you, come and talk to one of us. Because the one thing, and if it's the only thing that you pick out from tonight, God loves you more than you can imagine. And he wants to have that relationship. Remember, nothing that we do or say, we cannot influence just how much God loves us. Thank you for listening to the St George's Lead Sermon Podcast. For more talks or information, visit stgs.org.uk.